Women Rising, a conversation about women in the arts looking at the impact women are making, how they are shaping the narrative, and how we nurture women in this space. In our podcast, we chat to four incredible panelists who happen to be women. We chat to Kanye Mamba, who's Bassa Awards panel chairperson and is also the marketing communications manager for Sub-Saharan Africa at Cambridge International. She currently serves as a Bassa board member. Heidi Brower, who's the Chief Marketing Officer for the Holler Group, who oversees activities including PR, internal marketing, digital marketing and sponsorship. Over the years, her team has been recognized with awards including the Prism PR Campaign of the Year for Kalula.com, Louis Grand Prix and Gold for Slow Lounges and Prism Sponsorship Gold for the Holler Daredevil Run. Carol Bauer who's a speaker, children and women's rights activist, television producer and businesswoman. She's an independent and forthright thinker who speaks her mind. And finally, Tandine Thule, South African multi-award winning pianist, singer, songwriter and composer. Since the release of her debut album, The Offering, in 2014 and her sophomore release, Exiled, in 2018, she's made an imprint on the global jazz community as one of the leading voices of modern South African music and jazz. You're listening to a special Bossa Awards broadcast in partnership with Hollard, hosted by me, Sam Marshall. Carol, before we get into the conversation, it would be remiss of me not to ask you just to reflect where you are emotionally at the moment. And I would like for all the panelists just to share where they are um, emotionally at this moment. We are in an incredibly challenging year. It is, in actual fact, the second part of a pandemic. Change the nature of how we operate, how we work, how we interact with each other, and ultimately how we do business. And this conversation specifically reflects on women in business with a conversation about women in the arts, looking at impact, and how do we shape a narrative that can nurture women in this space? Thank you so much, Sam. And, and um, it's, um, it's a very interesting space where I sit at the moment because I got on my flight to the US highly, highly enthused and, and excited about what I was coming here to do because um, I, I sit on, you know, I serve in the host committee of the United Nations, uh, UN Women in particular, for women in the arts. Um, and, and the focus is about ensuring that African women, women across the diaspora, um, have a fund that's going to be supporting not just their work, but uh, just their well-being coming out of this pandemic. And within that excitement, I began to reflect about what the past couple of months have been like for me. A lot of my focus has been around ensuring that the women that we've honored through the Bogodo Awards over the last 10 years, and this is a big year for us, um, that you know they, they feel supported, they feel supported, that their work continues to have visibility, but also that their work continues to allow them to earn an income and, and have a decent uh, uh, living, you know, just the ability to live well. 
And, and within that, I couldn't deny how I felt our country had not supported artists, and in particular, uh, the impact of that on women artists. And, and then, I, you know, just at a micro level, I had to bring it back to myself as a producer within the, the art space and just how, you know, my, my production company has literally been halved. And I've had to let go of dreams that I had nurtured and built over many, many years. Things that were beginning to unfold that I was excited about. And, and you begin to see them, you know, slip away because of something that was so unforeseen. And, you know, but, but anyone in business knows that you, you plan um, with the view that you, you will be able to carry a company. Perhaps there's a, there's a view of three months or six months where no matter what happens, you'll be able to carry the business. And unfortunately, this went on far longer than any of us had anticipated so at a personal level it's been extremely challenging um at at an even more personal level when you look at home i'm a very social person i see uh, my in-laws in the netherlands uh, twice a year i see friends across the world um quite a few times when i travel for business i see my mother in johannesburg possibly once every, you know every month and and not having that psychologically, emotionally, um, and, and, and all the different burials that we're having to organize together within that, it's been hard, Sam. It's been hard. And because we stand in the gap for others, it's difficult for some of us to talk about it. And I think it's time we become more honest about where we find ourselves. It's been difficult. Carol, appreciate the honesty. Haiti, let me bring you into this conversation. Uh, and I'm sure that all of you have been literally answering this question, but I think because we are so disconnected, connected, I would like you to also just reflect on where you are personally at the moment. Um, thanks, Sam. You know, uh, so I work in a, a corporate and uh, I'm popping to the office just now and I haven't been to the office uh, in about three months. And even then it was just for a quick pop-in. Um, and so we're doing everything on Teams calls uh, and we've done a ton. Uh, it's incredible what you can achieve and how um, uh, adaptable and agile we can be. But we started doing something uh, a year ago more than a year ago now, um, to try to keep connected with one another and where we're at, because you don't have the benefit anymore of just getting a vibe for a person or seeing what they look like and reading their mood. So we do a thing, we do a check-in um, before we start every meeting and we use a stoplight system, traffic light system, where we say, um, are you red, amber, green? And because we're hollowed and everything's purple, purple's the top of the pop. So you're at, red is yuck, amber's okay, green's great, and purple's fab. And because we're the marketing team, we're, or we've made up some colors. So is somewhere between green and amber and purple, you can work that out. <laughs> and, um, and, and we do it um, quite uh, deliberately at the end, at the beginning of every meeting. Sometimes we can take longer to understand why, and, and sometimes we're quite quick. But it's interesting because um, two things are happening. One is that people are, three things really. People are saying, I'm green because I choose to be green, which is an acknowledgement of really actually, it's, it's so tough. But if I don't choose my attitude, uh, I'm gonna suffer. 
Some people are saying they're green because they are so grateful for what they have because they see around them people are struggling with work and food and shelter and so on and they're so grateful. And others, I mean, I did my check-in this morning and I said, I'm, I'm red and heartbroken because a colleague has passed away. I'm um, green because and purple because I'm doing something I love today, which is this um, session podcast with um, these incredible women and you, Sam, um, and so many things. And I suppose what's interesting is that um, I check in with some, some people more than, um, more than once in a week, once in a day sometimes, just because we're in different meetings, and how the mood changes and how complex it is. But they, they can, there's a zeitgeist. Um, during the time of all the chaos a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of red, um, but South Africans are resilient and, and that's been said so many times. I'm hearing greens and purples much more, but gee, we change. We're being in a, it's a maelstrom. It's, a, it's, a, it's tumultuous and it's crazy. Um, but every day there's a bit of green and a bit of purple and a bit of everything else. Heidi, our thoughts and hearts are with you, especially... Because we're now at this point where all of us know someone directly or indirectly that has lost their lives to this uh, dreaded pandemic. So our hearts are with you. Let me throw that question to Tandi as well. Tandi, just reflecting where you are at the moment, you've heard just how they've had to internalize this year and a bit now. You're an award-winning artist. And if Carol's talking about the connectedness of family and friends, uh, and Haiti's talking about setting up systems to connect. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what it must have been like for you as an artist who feeds off the energy of others. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting for me listening to everybody's reflections because um, I, I notice a lot of the, the same struggles and I also notice a lot of beautiful things that I've also experienced myself. Um, I think in, in terms of how we relate to people that we, we know and care for and work with, many of the times for me as an artist, as artists because we are together maybe when we have uh, performances and we gather at gigs or rehearsals or whatever, the, the, rela the relationships or the conversations tend to be a little bit shallow because we take it for granted that we uh, see each other all the time and you know we don't ask those more personal questions I don't know maybe it's a cool space I don't know if people just tend to not um, steer into that direction and what I've found for me is the sense that because of the distance that we have from each other because of uh, a lot of musicians passing on um, once in a while people who didn't necessarily have that kind of relationship with you would check in, how are you doing? How's this, you know, um, this past week, there've been a few musicians that have passed on and that their death has really like really impacted the community on a whole. And it's just been, you know, I think I, I like taking the positive things out of things. Otherwise for me, I, I, I can't cope. Uh, <laughs> with fully being in in the in the red, as Heidi said, um, but the beautiful thing I, I found from that is how you know I would pick up a phone to speak to another musician that I that I know uh, was really close to that musician who died, and it sparks a whole conversation 
where we're just remembering the people because we're finding it difficult to kind of hold space for the the grief and the sorrow that we experience collectively uh, because we're not able to be together. So I'm, I'm in a place where I guess there's been so much sadness, there's been so much uh, stress, anxiety that's been felt, um, but I'm trying to always like stay in the green by choosing my attitude, otherwise um, this whole experience will consume me. Um, in terms of creating, I've found that being creative has been really difficult. As you said, we do feed off a lot from the energy of people. Um, so it's been really a challenge to dig into that creative aspect uh, to make new work. But I've also not really pressured myself to create new work um, because sometimes I think we as artists don't see ourselves as human beings who are also part of the pandemic and experiencing it. Um, so I've just given myself the space to not be productive in, in a sense, to just be feeling the feelings um, as everybody else is. We've been very fortunate to receive support uh, from an external uh, foundation that has helped a lot of musicians uh, you know, just keep the basics taken care of, which I think um, when there's very few things to remember and very few things to be grateful for, I remember that, you know, that the fact that there was someone in a foreign country who um, felt that they wanted to support jazz musicians in particular. Um, and so it, it's the little things that I just keep remembering that keep me going. But it really has been a difficult time uh, it's been really, I've found it very difficult to process the amount of loss. Um, and so in finding difficulty to process and hold space for that, it's kind of sparked um, kind of relationships with people by just calling individuals and speaking about whatever we're feeling, you know, and, and I appreciate that as well. Yeah, I can only I can only imagine that even though we are, as you're saying, going through through this collective process, that there are within this, and to Heidi's point as well, that there are small things that you can be grateful for. Penny, coming to you, also just your reflection very quickly before we talk about gender equality and mainstreaming within arts, as somebody who understands the corporate space very similar to Heidi, but you're also very close to the arts in the in the fact that you are. In actual fact, the um, Vasa Awards chairperson. So you know that when Tandi talks about those struggles, you you completely understand them because that's actually what you guys at Vasa versus Arts in South Africa dealing with almost on a daily basis. But how are you personally reflecting on this period at this point in time? Thanks a lot, Sam. Yes, it's been a very difficult about a year and a half, I think, for everybody, especially people in the arts, you know, in the arts sector. Um, at this current moment, I, I would say I'm feeling a gratitude, you know, uh, more and more. Um, I think it's the last year and a half has given me an opportunity to reflect, you know, on my life. And I think many, many people as well, just an opportunity to reflect, to stop and say, okay, maybe I need to look at my life differently. And this is the same in the arts, which is something that I picked up when we were looking through the BASA Awards um, 
uh, entries this year is how people have, you know, quickly adopted to working different in order to continue working and to produce projects through the difficult time of COVID. And something that Heidi, uh, Heidi mentioned is that, you know, that speaks to how resilient uh, South Africans are and the arts industry is, you know, that people were able to adapt and um, look at doing things digitally um, has really, I, I think, has been something positive about what's what's been happening at the moment. So um, all in all, I'd say I'm feeling positive and I'm, I'm feeling grateful. And I think we'll look, we'll start seeing um, a lot more uh, different ways of working in the arts industries. So I'm very excited about that. Thank you, Kanye. And that's a perfect segue to actually our topic because we've got limited time. I'm going to bunch some of the topics together because I think they're relevant. And I think the very first point before we even talk about gender mainstreaming and gender equality and what it looks like, Heidi, just bouncing it back to you, give us a sense of the landscape for women in the arts in South Africa at the moment. Thanks, Sam. Um, it's a, it's a, it's such a, a question because I'm a very visual person. And so I, I put my mind's eye on and I try to picture it and, the, the events of the last 18 months mean that my mind's eye can see as far as my house and my and my office because we've been so underexposed to anything <laughs> lately that um, that I that I can't even see further than my office. But but I suppose um, often it's useful to just look uh, broad and then narrow down. And if I think about um, the representation that women enjoy just generally in business, and then we narrow down to this um, specific field of the arts. Um, I, I, I read, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of topical issues going on more so than ever on the news at the moment. And a number of, of people are being called to comment on uh, issues of politics or, or uh, transport or security or vaccines. Sorry, I used the V word. Um, <laughs> or whatever it might be, uh, healthcare, everything. And it struck me in the last week that just about everybody, every commentator seems to be a man. And I actually put it up on LinkedIn yes. and I said, um, has anybody noticed that do, do we as women uh, not, not um, have an opinion or are we not asked for an opinion? Do we even notice that we seem to be given the opportunity to opine, such a nice word, um, much less than men. And I think that's really what the, the, the nub of it often is, is that we are not even conscious of the fact that um, there's not adequate inclusion of women um, in so many uh, streams of, um, of, of uh, society. So just broadly, that's on my mind because, because I, I posted that uh, last week. Lots of views, not so many people commenting because I think people take a deep breath. Um, yeah. women in, in, and then if I go a little bit narrower and I, uh, and I focus now just in general in creativity, cause I'm, 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 in corporate, but my role is marketing. And so I've worked for many years in the field of creativity and work with ad agencies and production houses and designers and so on. Um, the representation is definitely better than in, in mainstream, um, mainstream business, general business. And then when you get into the arts, um, sector, it's definitely better, um, uh, better than in general. Is it is it adequate? I don't think it, it ever is adequate, 
But I think uh, we must appreciate um, that there are, there, there are definitely more women's voices in this sector than there are in many other sectors of um, business and society. And um, it's never enough. It's never, it's never adequate because it's never, uh, it's never as natural as one would like it to be. So I suppose I'm gonna put a bit of a cat amongst the pigeons and say that, that it's actually, I think, pleasingly better than general business um, as, a, as a stimulus for discussion, really, I guess. Yeah. Um, Heidi, I think you definitely threw the cat amongst the pigeons because I want to bring in, in Carol because there, there are multiple things that you've said and, and I read your comment on, on LinkedIn and I agree with you. And also it's one of those comments, to be honest with you, that you don't think about until somebody says it. And then you, you sit there with an opinion and you go, should I be the first to share it? I am in strong support of um, what Heidi was sharing with us. And I feel that the, the pandemic has really just made it even more glaring to see how even the gains we had made uh, before the coronavirus, um, you know, COVID-19 happened upon us all those gains seemed to be slowly reversing. Um, but somehow also women feeling muted. And I think muted because they were feeling overwhelmed by, by what they were experiencing. Um, I know that with Motswako, and I know that some of the news teams uh, that we've worked with as well, uh, th there is a concerted effort to ensure that representation is taken seriously and that the voices of women are not being you know, brought in only when it comes to, you know, representation as, as what seemed acceptable pre-94. So, you know, there was a particular female trope that was celebrated where you bring in women to talk about uh, beauty and sexuality and, and, and things that perhaps men as producers had deemed okay for women to be brought into the room to discuss. And, and when, when thought leadership that, that was really going to move the country forward was, was being sought, then somehow, um, whether it's in, in print or celluloid or even in spaces such as this, it would be men who are being asked to give opinion on these matters. So for me, it's been very exciting to, to, to see how we had somehow dismantled um, these stereotypes and we had somehow undone that terrible work. I mean, in our work with, with UN Women, um, th there was a campaign that Dr. Kumzilam Lamunuka had started called Gender Unstereotype. And that's the formula that we had begun to follow with Mutsuako and, and many programs had been co-opted into following that such that you undo these uh, injustices upon women. But somehow, the, the overwhelming um, defeat that people were feeling during um, the last 18 months meant that um, women 
were muted by the space. Um, and, and yes, we had very strong uh, women who were holding space and speaking for us, but also nobody seemed to care to check in. I mean, I like the system that Heidi um, speaks about that they do at work, but nobody cared to check in to, as to how we're doing, why we're silent, why is nobody speaking on this that you know we've known to speak over so many years. It was taken as, well, they're quiet at the moment, we can bring back the men. And I'm concerned about how that is going to play itself out going forward unless we address it now and ensure that, you know, this intersection between um, female and, and lack of voice, um, that it doesn't get perpetuated. Reaction from you, Tandi, to what Heidi and um, Carol, uh, their thoughts on the fact that they're is a fair amount of representation, but there are still massive gaps in how women are represented. And also that, and, and it's quite interesting for me as a man to listen to both Heidi and Carol, because I was very surprised, I must admit, by Heidi's um, cat amongst the pigeons um, statement saying that in actual fact, I do work with a lot of women. Andy? It's, it's been interesting for me because, um... I think where I've been seeing the arts feature during this period has been in terms of performances. Um, I suppose my focus has been on that, has been on performances online, which I do think, as as mentioned by um, Heidi, that there is an abundance of performers in this space. Um, so I have seen some performances where women are um, sort of represented, but not necessarily much in terms of um, the issues around the sector. And I don't know if that's necessarily because women have not been represented or because we as a sector in general, um, coming from the artist perspective, have actually had an opportunity to engage on that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not very sure of how to gauge where we're at as artists because of um, the lack of contact, the lack of sort of connection and, and conversation. What I do observe um, and what I have observed recently in terms of responses to, you know, artists feeling left out completely from the conversation about um, the, the lockdowns um, is that in, in groups that we have formed, there hasn't been a consideration much of um, where we're going together as as an as an artist sort of body, um, there hasn't been a consideration of engaging women so much. It sort of becomes an afterthought. Um, I feel, and it's a, a kind of a sad thing to say. I kind of feel uh, used to that response, and I almost feel like um, my my intention of strengthening myself as a woman is in speaking to other women in highlighting and empowering other women um, where I can and organizing as women within the, the the music industry in terms of performance because I feel that um, you know all the all the issues that we see in industry um, in various industries are always highly exacerbated in spaces where there's a lack of strong organization 
which I feel like in terms of um, artists and how artists are represented, we're not a very organized sector. There is the more formal part in terms of artists who are signed, but we're not very organized in terms of uh, freelancers and people who are supporting bigger artists. So I feel like there's a, a lot of need of sort of organizing ourselves um, to strengthen ourselves, to see what it is that we need represented um, and how we'd go about that. I do feel like it is a very opportune time because um, the conversation is becoming, well, I am picking up more conversations around where are the women? Um, and it may not be in the mainstream, but there are organizations that are having these conversations. For example, um, the move to things being more digital has opened up work from outside of the borders, which um, has opened me to opportunities of uh, composition work based outside of the country and organizations outside of the country that are focusing on women. Um, and so for me, I, I've seen an opportunity where we can sort of organize women locally to see these opportunities outside of the country, not to be necessarily reliant on this space changing, because uh, I, I do feel on a global scale, we seem to be a little bit more behind in terms of engaging women. But to kind of bring an awareness to women about the opportunities of working in different ways outside of the country um, as a way to just empower us and just to open us to more possibilities. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I there's, there's so many observations and so many layers to um, yeah. the arts in South Africa because of just so many factors. And I think I've been seeing all those things play out uh, simultaneously. I'm going to ask Heidi uh, and Carol a question that I'd like you guys to also maybe um, think about as well, because I think you've said some really interesting things, Dandy. And there's different segments to this conversation. And we, we want to unpack business and, and the support of business and all that. But I think this is quite an interesting conversation because it, it, it's not going where I thought we were going to go. I thought we were all going to reflect on how dismally women are being treated within the industry. And then Heidi, you know, like in WWE SmackDown, has unleashed a completely different conversation point. Kanye, just you reflecting. Thanks, Sam. Well, I am going to say, um, I think women in the arts in South Africa still have to contend with an environment that still undervalues their work, in my opinion. Um, you know, they still have to fight to fight to be seen, to be heard, for their contribution to be appreciated. And it does take a certain kind of willpower to rise above these challenges and succeed as um, a woman in, in the arts business in the country. And I think for us as women, we need to be able to call it out when we see it. Um, I think what Heidi did you know, on Twitter as well, it's very important that when we see that there is a discrepancy somewhere, we need to be able to call it out. Um, I'll also just speak from a personal level uh, in terms of the arts. And, you know, my son is a musician, he's an, uh, he's an artist as well. He's a hip hop artist. And I've had to deal with, you know, people from record companies, promotions people, you know, other organizations in the music industry. And I've always had to deal with men. You know, there are very few women that I've had to deal with in the industry. So I think there definitely is a discrepancy there. And um, yeah, a lot more... Um, um, value and um, um, positions um, in the arts industry needs to be to be given or women need to be more recognized in the industry. 
Can, you, can I ask you, in what regard? Could we be specific about what industries need a voice? What sectors within the art industry, in actual fact, um, has taken power away from women? And those are the sectors. And to Haiti's point on LinkedIn, as commentators, she called out that sector. But where do you specifically think we need to, to, to laser focus on well, firstly, it would be interesting to see the data in arts organizations, the people that lead, lead art organizations, because uh, from my, my perspective, it's still a pretty male-dominated. Um, I don't have the data on it, but that's just my experience. And I've shared my experience in the music industry as well, where I have picked up that, you know, it is a quite a male-dominated industry. So um, that's where I'm coming from. Heidi, where do we need to focus our attention on? And I'm going to ask Carol to maybe think about it too. I'll say it again. I was very pleasantly surprised by your statement. But which sectors do we need to drill down in? It really would be irresponsible of me to be as specific as that. I'll, I'll, um, I'll relate a, a, a similar sort of an equivalence uh, opportunity just that we could reflect on. So the advertising industry does um, reviews on an annual basis. They do leaderboards. They love all this competitive stuff. And they do leaderboards and they do counts of, um, of, of various um, diversity and inclusion uh, factors. And, and it's astonishing when you are deliberate about um, analyzing these things, what it reveals. So it reveals um, uh, creative directors in agencies are still predominantly men. CEOs in agencies are still predominantly men. Um, client service people are predominantly women. Now, what does that highlight? It highlights that there are still things that are women's jobs. So think in general corporate, HR, women's job, marketing, women's job. And I am, I am being um, very generic about this. I think that... Um, uh, a marvelous gentleman who's head of marketing at, at Google now, but he's had an illustrious marketing career, Mzamo Masito. Mzamo says that yes. if, if, you don't, if you don't deliberately include, you will be excluding. And I think that perhaps what the art sector needs to do is something similar to what um, um, other sectors do. And that's actually count um, and ask the question, because then you know what work needs to be done. So on the face of it, um, there appear to be women in multiple roles, um, in, and uh, not only in performance, but in, in um, direction and, um, and fundraising and running charitable arts-based organizations. But that's anecdotal. I don't know if we know what the actual numbers are. And if we, if we know that, then we've got a base to work from and we can, and we can move from, uh, forward from that. And then we can work to be deliberately inclusive. We can be conscious about what we're doing. And I promise you, once you're conscious and your eyes are open, you'll all start looking now and seeing how many of the commentators are women and, and be horrified. Um, just being conscious and having this conversation, wait till we, we're at the awards, um, all together virtually uh, in in a, in a few weeks, and and just be being being conscious is the first step. But then you need some data to work from, and we don't have that yet, as far as I know. And maybe a follow up question to that, Heidi, before I go to Carol, because I, I do want her to um, to maybe even if she's if it's possible to identify those areas where um, she's seen the gaps from her experience.
But other countries have done data sets on um, women in the arts, and it's not the first time that we're having this conversation. Um, and I love, and I and I I do follow um, I do follow him on LinkedIn as well, and I and I and I do um, subscribe to some of his statements. But why do you then think, Heidi, as somebody who's also a thought leader in the space, that and you've asked a pertinent question around the the, the data. Um, and I know that Basa, in actual fact, if you look at uh, if you look at some of their stuff, they do borderline touch on some of the issues that we're that we're talking about here. But why is there not a comprehensive set of data that has looked at the industry and in that regard? And if there is, I mean, I'm not sure whether Carol can tell us if it exists or whether Kanye can say that there has been a comprehensive data set done on women in in, in arts. We know that it had does it has happened in other industries. It has happened, for example, um, if I can recollect, in in aspects of transport. I know that um, in business they've also looked at, at at women and they've done some studies around the SME sector and women. But why don't you think the arts industry doesn't have a comprehensive data set? I'm not sure if I'm asking you a stupid question, lady. Um, uh, it's not a stupid question, but I'll give you a stupid answer, and the answer is I don't know. I don't know if it exists. Um, so I, I can't even answer that, but, but I'll tell you from my years of market research, um, you can't manage what you don't measure, right? So you have to know where you are to yeah. know where you're going to. And that's as simple as I can say it. And, and the other thing I want to say is that I'm always conscious of being um, exclusive in an effort to be inclusive. So in an effort to be inclusive of women, we must be very careful not to exclude um, other uh, uh, um, gender orientations, um, other um, uh, um, race issue, um, race things that are um, issues of exclusion as well, um, um, abled versus um, disabled. There's so many other things that we need to be conscious of including that we must be very careful that we don't exclude them, um, these people in an effort to include one particular um, sector. Carol, just reflecting on, on where we've gone with this conversation, we still got to touch on business and support, but just your thoughts on the, the kind of data sets around what is happening in the industry. Are you unhappy or happy with what you're seeing and where do we need to focus? So part of the reason I'd raise my hand, Sam, is um, I think somewhat answered by, by what Heidi pointed out. I think issues of inclusion can't always be addressed by looking at just are women in the room or are people living with disabilities in the room. I think inclusion has to be such that we advocate for absolutely everybody to be in the room and thus um, all issues will then be addressed. Um, for me, I'd like to take it back a little bit more and look at what it is as a country we're trying to achieve. My biggest challenge with South Africa is that we've gone into the world and tried to export a model that we hadn't perfected ourselves. I think that um, people continue to be excluded because we don't know what our heritage is. We don't know who we are. We've, even even our, our national anthem is just, you know, just uh, something that just feels like a compromise of a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and still so many continue to feel left out. 
we, we desperately in South Africa need a national dialogue. And I know many people feel that we've, we've consulted ad nauseum. You know, South Africa is about getting together, talking, 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 and creating policies and never really implementing anything. But South Africans are at a point where they need to be heard. And part of why women are not in the room in spaces where they should be leading is because they're never in spaces where their opinions are even being listened to, even in their work environments. I, I look at the, the gains that the Nordic countries have made. I look at why we look at um, spaces such as, you know, a country such as Finland and Iceland and, and how they've attained leadership that is very, very inclusive of women and in fact, uh, inflects more towards women. And it is because the entire nation is in dialogue and South Africans are not in dialogue with one another. We don't know one another. Uh, and we, so we don't know what we can benefit from working together. Um, I, th I think for me, the biggest thing is that we have not defined who we are, uh, what the South African culture is. And when we talk about including this, um, then people talk about the fact that including this means that shall be excluded. Um, you know, bringing this one into the room means that one will have to leave the room. And we don't understand that in my embracing my blackness, my femaleness, I am not disempowering your whiteness, your otherness, your maleness. I am saying that I need to be there for us to together feel that we are part of building that which shall be the South Africa that we want. I mean, I, I quite uh, liked Kanye's point about uh, what is happening in the industry, in the music industry, because I think that it highlights a fundamental problem. But what we are not conscious of is that it is exactly the same problem when you go into uh, visual arts. It's exactly the same problem when you go into dance. It's it, the, These problems arise everywhere. Uh, they arise in the boardrooms when you go into uh, our finance sector because it is fundamental to who we are as South Africans. So we need to fix that before we go specifically and try and drill down into the different industries. Um, I, I know for a fact that this fund that um, has been put together for women in the arts, um, we're sitting at $40 billion, which will be used, and dollars, by the way, Sam, which will be used uh, across the world. And they're, they're being used by uh, you know countries specifically and not being given to, to the UN. I think what we need to begin to say as people working in the sector is, we want to know how countries are going to manage this if they've mismanaged so much else. We want artists to be central to the dissemination of these funds and ensuring that they go to projects that are going to create nation building and nationhood in the spaces in which these funds are going to be uh, uh, distributed. And it's not necessarily every country that's involved. So it's about finding out where these 40, where the $40 billion is coming from and those nations being very active about ensuring that uh, the money does in fact serve the arts and ultimately serves uh, the creative community and society at large. To Heidi's point that she's not aware in recent memory that there is a collective data set around women in the arts. Do you, from uh, from your position, know of, of any such paper? And is it something that is uh, a conversation uh, on, the, on the panel um, that you sit within the UN? Um, not, not in the UN, but 
back to South Africa itself, um, there are organizations that are collating data that's going to be informing, um, I, I would imagine, what the, the National Department of Arts and Culture is supposed to be doing for us. So if you look at the National Arts Council, they've got information, but I, I know that there are gaps because of how over the past couple of years, there's been a dissemination of um, or, or a decimation of the organizations that were tasked with looking after artists. I know that when I was still active in the sector as, as, uh, as an actor many years ago, we had power. Power was custodial in terms of looking after the welfare of performers and, and really measuring how many performers are in what part of the country and what are their needs and how they bring it back to, to national and, and ultimately to feed into um, you know, the DAC at the time, I think it continues to be called the DAC. But what's happened with the amalgamation of arts and culture um, and sports and recreation, for me, and I, and, and I say this very clear that I don't speak for the panel, I don't speak for this space, I'm not criticizing government, but I'm highlighting um, that government, in my opinion, has begun to look at what seems sexy and expedient and very easy to take care of uh, for them. And, and that's the sports. Uh, and, and even within sports, the focus seems to be on the sports, you know, that seem to be more organized. Um, Tandy spoke about how artists are organizing themselves, uh, you know, in their own spaces because they realize that there is, you know, there is no place that they can go united as a whole and feel that uh, it's an organization that speaks to, for all of them. But if, you're, you know, if your national department of arts and culture is not able to bring you all together and make you feel that there's a common interest, you end up with artists sleeping at uh, National Arts Council offices the way we've seen uh, during the pandemic, where people are trying to hold government accountable because they don't understand uh, why they're paying taxes and those taxes are not looking after them. Um, they don't understand why government uh, speaks consistently around this particular sector with a forked tongue. And, and I think that if you go to the National Arts Council, you certainly can get the numbers. If you go to organizations such as JAG with, you know, within, if you're just looking at visual arts, you can get those numbers. So it's about looking at, you know, the different silos, unfortunately, and, and putting it all together and saying, this is the, the broader picture. Thanks, Carol. Can you, your thoughts on, on some of the points that Heidi and, uh, and Carol and uh, Tandy highlighted around the, just the kind of data? I know that BASA does a lot of work in this space. Thanks, Sam. Look, I, I'm not really aware of any data that exists. I could be wrong, but I'm not aware of, of, of any data that exists around, around this topic. Um, so that's perhaps a starting point, you know, before, you know, we jump to the conclusion, or I jump to the conclusion that, you know, there are certain areas in the industry that are not in, in inclusive enough of women. Um, that would be a starting point for us to, to identify where the gaps are. And then there can be a proper action plan as to how we address those gaps. So at the moment, Sam, I'd say, no, I'm not aware of any um, at this point, but yeah, that's definitely a starting point and um, something that needs to be addressed if it doesn't exist already. I'm gonna do a follow-up question with you quickly because it is a perfect segue. Business Arts South Africa has quite a, a, an amazing relationship with Holland. And I'm not just saying that because Hades here and I'm scared of her. <laughs> um, I'm saying that because- I, I, must, yeah, I must be doing something wrong. 
<laughs> uh, no, I'm just joking, Eddie. I've been a witness to this relationship through the awards, but also through the relief programs that saw BASA pivot away from its fundamental job and almost start playing a, a relief manager of sorts um, during the pandemic. Talk to me about just the intentionality of business prioritizing. And I love what Carol was saying earlier that seeing the amount of women in the room is not a representation of the industry. And also at the same time, we don't need to ask one person to leave in order for somebody else to stay. Um, and now reluctant to say that we need to exclude some, <laughs> some people as well. Um, I think more than anything, it's the, it's, we want women to be recognized ultimately. Um, and I think businesses uh, need to make that conscious decision that they do recognize women. Um, you know, gender equality is, you know, is a fund fundamental human right, you know. And over the last few years, we have seen a growing sensitivity to this in the creative sector, but it's still not quite there. And I like that uh, uh, Carol is in the room and she's part of uh, UN Women because I recently read an article about the 2021 uh, Generation Equality Forum, which was hosted uh, by UN Women. And leading up to that um, event, artists globally were asked to visualize what gender equality means to them. And out of the more than a thousand submissions, the three that stood out, well, for me, certainly are that women want equal pay, for equal work, they want to feel safe and they want to be free everywhere, you know, and they also want equal opportunities to grow and flourish in, what, in their work. So the fact that these are still, you know, um, basic rights that uh, women are still asking for in the industry, you know, still speaks to the fact that, you know, there needs to be a conscious um, focus for businesses and arts organizations on women in order to see them grow, grow and flourish in the industry. Tandi, an immediate reaction from you to what Kanye is saying. You are an artist. You are uh, you are somebody who is also running um, you, your organization, and you've got to deal with people like Kanye and and Haiti, and maybe to a degree like Carol. Um, you know, I, I wanted to focus on gender mainstreaming and and gender equality within within the sector, and then Kanye brought it back in. What, what is it like at the moment as an, as an artist trying to find a voice, trying to um, basically eke out a living, but also get your moment in the sun, not only as a woman, but as a, as a businesswoman, as an artist? Is it, has it become easier or am I trying to simplify this question? Um, I, I think it's a very difficult question um, because... There are many layers to it. So I, I understand um, the trying to simplify it because I feel that as much as um, the conversation about what is happening now and what we want to see in the future needs to be um, had, I think there's also something to say about the way we remember women. And for me, um, I've been, I think I've been fortunate to, to find some little crack <laughs> in the hole and, and, and sort of have a little bit of a platform for myself. And in being in that space, I've found many problems. An example of that is um, in interviews, I've had conversations about the way women are remembered, the way women are engaged on, on their art. So I think... Um, it's not just the surface level thing of are women there. It's also beneath the surface where once there is a woman in front of you, 
what are the questions you're asking her about her art? Um, what is it that you want to know that you ask differently when you speak to a male? Um, and I found there have been lots of gaps and lots of problems, even in trying to dig up historically about women who have contributed, who are not, um, who are not well remembered. Once you try and find out about women who've done things, the, in, the information is very thin. And I think for me, the biggest, um, the biggest driving force for me has been, how do I find a way to document my, my own story so that I'm not going to be relying on the pens of men who are going to be remembering me in a very, very surface level way, you know? Um, people who are engaging with my art, who are only engaging in terms of what is your inspiration? When did you start playing uh, the piano? Instead of asking you about your inspirations, your process. And I find um, the, the same kind of engagement is not, is not there yet. So it's, a, it's for me, it's, a, it's an entire consciousness shift. And it, it takes, I, I do agree, it takes a lot of consciousness, but it also takes, um, for me as a woman asking myself questions and also being unafraid to challenge uh, journalists and not be afraid that, you know, if someone's given me an opportunity for an interview, not be afraid to challenge them to ask uh, deeper or more meaningful questions because I know that now I'm, I'm very happy to see that there's so many uh, women, particularly instrumentalists who are leading their own bands, writing their own music, but I know that they're going to come across some of the um, reductionist kind of approach to their art that I came across. And I think it's, it's about tackling um, so many things. It's hard work, <laughs> but it, it, it really needs to be an, a consciousness shift, which I think for me has needed to start with myself. I've had to check myself, understanding that I've been raised in a, a, a society or a culture that undermines women or the voices of women or the contributions. And I've had to kind of do a re-checking myself. Am I, am I holding on to these opinions and making sure that if they are in me, I work them out. Um, and if they're not, then I also act on what I believe, which is that women have a lot to contribute and that women don't necessarily have to say things the way that men say them, but they've got something very important to say and to contribute to society. So I definitely, I definitely think it's, it's a, it's a multi-layered um, thing. And I think in terms of organizations, I would say it would be interesting to see organizations also um, finding ways to challenge this aspect, because I have seen a lot of uh, trying to engage with women and having women present, but I've, I've also, uh, sort of craved seeing more of a conversation on the deeper level and not not just um, and that is with artists and not necessarily with the business side but with engaging with the minds of women a lot more I would I would really love to see that can we deal with one thing quickly Tandi that I refuse to ask I mean it's it's a question mm -hmm. here and I think for me today to still say how can we help women cultivate business skills? Shouldn't we ask that question of men too? I mean, here Kanye is negotiating, navigating her son's hip hop career. Can we deal with this notion that 
Women are the only ones that need help with business skills. We know that there are skills gaps, but I always find this question, to be honest, I find it derogatory to keep on asking women, how can we help women develop their business skills? I totally agree with you, Sam. I think in my experience, you know, something as simple as as, uh, preparing an invoice is not an obvious skill that people tend to have. Um, And I've done I've done workshops. We have been invited to do workshops in uh, for I don't know if you've heard of Geleza Clever, but it was it was associated with the Standard Bank Joy of Jazz, where they have workshops in in various um, communities where they are actually equipping people with a little bit more business knowledge, where they have lawyers coming in to speak about publishing and all those kind of things. And the kind of questions that you receive from the, the attendees, you realize that there's actually a lack of um, awareness on how to actually start being in business for yourself. Um, so I do think it's definitely not something that is only uh, lacking in women. In fact, I think women tend to be, I'm, I don't know, I don't have any kind of data for this, but I do think that women tend to be good at making a way or making a plan and i think that simply comes from the fact that that they've had to for a longer time um but i i definitely think like some of the very basic business skills are not something that are is only um needed by women i need just your thoughts on and and then i'll do a follow-up on basa but the thoughts very quickly on this idea that even though we keep on talking about women's advancement and we're talking about how do we move them forward that we somehow still in this multi-layered conversation still dumb down some of the, the the basic issues like i'm not saying that women don't need help with their business skills but everybody needs help with their business skills why do we focus particular issues as if it's a woman's problem only. Women need help with business. Women need a particular type of mentor. Doesn't everybody need a particular help with business skills? And doesn't everybody need a particular type of mentor? Sam, I'm glad my camera's not on because you would see that there's steam coming out of my ears. Um, you know, there is the, 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 probably the opposite of what we want is what that is. And that's, um, this is the, that, that's patronizing, right? You know, I went to a a conference some years ago. I'll tell you, no, I won't tell you what it was because that won't be nice for their brand. But um, it was a a, a leadership summit by a very prominent brand that I have a lot of respect for. Uh, It was a one-day thing. The only woman on the stage at any point was somebody who was interviewing one of the speakers. I looked around that room and I promise you there was steam coming out my ears and my eyeballs and every hair on my head. And I tweeted, um, how is it possible that in 20, I don't know, whatever it was, 20, I don't know, eight years ago, that we're at a conference and the only woman is one of the um, interviewers. And uh, a, a very prominent man, CEO of a big uh, corporate, picked it up and he said, Heidi, you're absolutely right. Why don't we get together and organize a women's conference? And now steam started coming out of other ends of me, okay? Because that's not the answer. The answer is not to go the opposite way. Inclusion and diversity is what the world needs. 
We need everybody doing things together because we are better when we have diversity of thinking. And um, we, we cannot patronizingly make assumptions that one block of people needs one block of lessons on something. Let me tell you, I've got a degree in nursing. Now you can all fall off your chair, but um, let me tell you that doctors, and I know this because I know what they studied, I did half of the stuff with them, is that doctors are the worst practice managers. They're not taught any business skills at Varsity. Maybe they are now, but in 1912 when I studied, they weren't. No idea. Doctors do not know how to do cash flow and manage a business. That doesn't matter if you're a girl doctor or a boy doctor. So patronizingly assuming, let's have practice management 101 for all women doctors is just a shocker. And we should not do the same thing in any sector. So going the other extreme of like making girls only jaws is just too awful to contemplate. And we've got to be really conscious of not doing that too. It's a real balancing act. It requires nuance and sensitivity and awakeness and consciousness. Um, but more than anything, we need to be, we need to have voices and we need to say when things are not inclusive and um, encouraging of diversity. Because those of us who've been in business for a long time, who've been in our profession for a long time, we do have a voice and we must use it when these two extremes of the continuum pop up. Mm. Um, Sam, can I just say something to that? Because I think that I, as much as I agree 100%, I do think that we, we do have to be very intentional about creating spaces that offer safety in the redress. So if, mm. if you have a situation that you're trying to address and, and it is the exclusion of women, and you're trying to say that I want a space that's going to be able to address the fact that we have this brokenness that is happening in this sector. But I, I strongly believe that you should be able to say, I want this conference and its outcome has to be such that uh, women are going to be affirmed in such and such a way. That does not necessarily mean, uh, in fact, that does not mean at all that you are excluding men in, in whatever you're trying to, to do. But, but we have to be able to name it in order to be able to address it. One of the things that uh, looking at the, at, at the study of how you integrate minorities into a society, we're looking at Sweden as an example, um, part of the problem that they were having was that they were even afraid to use the word black because they felt that they could be offending people with melanin the moment they, they start saying that. So there's, there's good intention of trying to say we want to address this issue was basically being hampered by the fact that they just wouldn't call people what they were because they didn't know how to go about it. So for me, we have to be able to say um, this is a women's conference and this is what we want to achieve for women um, but we have to do it in a way where men don't feel unsafe to be there and I think it's about the centrality of women's rights 
as human rights. The moment you, you separate them and you, you make them seem like they're alien to one another, then you begin to feel that you're not able to speak about them, um, you know, uh, freely in a society where you're trying to address the very thing that's going to help everybody. No man is safe in a society of, you know, majority women and the world's majority women, um, if women do not feel affirmed in spaces that have that have men. So, yeah, I, I think that's just the little difference that I have in terms of the approach around whether we name these things and we are, you know, comfortable with it. I mean, I, I live in a home of three different races. I'm one race, my husband is another, and, and my son is a very unique race in this home. Beautiful, beautiful. And, um, and, and we've had to find a way within a South Africa that wants to name us, that wants to call us things that we don't identify as, um, to, to find comfort in, in having new language and language that is comfortable, that makes others able to speak freely around us, but truly defined by what we believe rather than what the world projects. I think there's a lot of, we can unpack in both Heidi and Carol's statements, mm. but in the interest of time, um, we unfortunately are going to get to it, but I, I, I do agree with the principle. Let's move on to quickly, and, and Carol, I think I'm going to throw this to you before I move on to, to, to Tandi and to Tandi. Talk to me very, very, very quickly about mentorship. I think it's obvious that as a, as a businesswoman, you'll get called on a lot, um, play the role of a mentor. Um, and at some point, um, I remember uh, years ago when Carol Bauer was a TV presenter and before the, the production companies and stuff, role of a mentor and a mentee. I put out a statement on my LinkedIn saying that uh, a mentor has a very specific role to play. It's not meant to fix a broken home. It's not meant to um, create endless opportunities. Thank you, Sam. I, I think in a, in a South African sense, and I think in any developing world, um, every, you know, not just women, but every business person, every person who is given the microphone in any space sees themselves as responsible to to, to really just pass on the learnings that they have um, as they grow. So I think that whether you have a formal structure that you use to mentor others or not, uh, you are in constant, uh, you know, I think you, you are in perpetual mentorship mode. Uh, but if, if I listen to Heidi, whether it's today or before today, if I listen to you or watch you on television, Tandi, everyone on this panel, we are learning from one another. And, and I think mentorship in South Africa is not always a formal thing where you sit with people. It is about choosing to find things in everybody that you look up to. And, and it is understanding that um, you can learn from everybody and taking those things, applying them in your life and then using them in the formal structures that you've created to mentor others. Um, I, I get a lot of letters. I don't respond to everybody. I, I sit with four people on an annual basis, um, some fall off, some um, jump on. And and it's what's interesting for me is that I've learned more in those formal mentorship uh, um, relationships uh, than what I thought I would when they started. It was a way of passing on the learnings. It was a way of opening up uh, my industry. And by that, I'm, I don't mean my, my luxury bags business. I, I'm talking specifically about television 
which I, I felt was open to women, but open only so much, where women could be seen, women could have particular roles. And I was quite deliberate as somebody who was given an opportunity to produce um, from a very young age that I wanted to see more young people, more young women in particular, uh, become producers. I feel that uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to contribute towards the creating South Africa enough young black female producers um a lot of them are even better than me and it, it and it just it gives me such joy when i look at what they've been able to achieve because they've come with a set of skills but also a hunger that when i started to produce i didn't have my my starting as a producer was very much about addressing the social ills in society but they're coming into this space to build businesses and i think that's wonderful mentorship is absolutely key in addressing um south africa's challenges especially around entrepreneurship especially around creating business mm. i definitely uh, agree and i i i as an artist have been very fortunate to have received a lot of mentorship. I don't think any of the people that I call mentors would would uh, agree that they're my mentor because it hasn't been a very formal type of mentorship. But um, I've, I see mentorship as someone who uh, is willing to take uh, your questions or just some kind of queries around certain things and give you guidance. I've received mentors in terms of people who've really helped me understand uh, the legal aspects of what I do. I've I've had mentors financially. I've had um, people who've helped me musically as well, artistically, um, and not necessarily like like I said, uh, very conscious about the fact that now I am mentoring her, but just imparting knowledge. So for me, I I really credit um, where I am today to those who have seen something in me and and been open and generous with their knowledge. Um, I think that. Um, it's it's been very fortunate that the the people who have mentored me have been different colors, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything. And so for me, um, it it always reminds me of the possibilities, not just of this country, but of this uh, sector and um, the things that are possible when when there's some kind of working together. So that's how I feel as an artist. Yeah. You are currently, I mean, in your position, you're, I don't know whether somebody can be a mentor by default just because of the position that they hold. Your, your thoughts on it, because you're also with your own son and playing that role as a, as, a, as a caregiver, but also as somebody who is genuinely interested in his career as an individual. Because I think as parents, we sometimes need to be very careful about um, the patronizing element, oh, my, my, my son is a rapper or my son is an artist or my daughter does this. Um, so you've got to almost respect their craft as well, um, especially as they're growing up. Just your reflection from, from that perspective in terms of mentorship and then also the role that you play within BASA because BASA has, through its partnerships with Hollard and, and the British Council and, and many others, has also played a big brother, big sister role to the industry to say that partnerships and collaborations are key. And then when we partner that you can then benefit from each other's expertise to both Carol and Tandy's point that, it, in, is that not also mentorship? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Yeah, I think mentorship is, 
you know, as uh, Carol mentioned earlier, it's it's not something that has to be formal. You know, you know, I find find myself being mentored by people unknowingly. You know, um, just by having a conversation with them. You know, but there is a certain you know small um, you know pool of people that I do go to to bounce ideas off. You know, they're kind of like my sounding board to help guide me through some difficult situations. But like I said, it's not necessarily a formal agreement of any sorts. It's just people that I trust that I feel like I can be in a safe space with. And in terms of boss's role as well, I mean, we've played the role of being a mentor uh, to many artists and many arts organizations as well as an, as an organization, you know, guiding them in terms of how they can, how, how they can do business, how they should be partnered or can partner with uh, businesses, how they can move forward uh, in terms of their, you, you know, their, their, their career or, or their artistry. So we do play that big sister, big brother role to many artists and uh, many arts organizations as well. And we, we also help businesses um, also see the value in partnering with artists and art, arts organizations and helping them see their value in that as well. So, mm. um, yeah, the mentorship, mentorship doesn't necessarily have to be an individual, but, but like you say, as an organization, um, as BASA, we do exactly that as we do mentor businesses and we mentor arts organizations and artists. You as a mentor yourself, how have you, or what do you think your, your particular mentorship style is like? I would say, as I mentioned, a sounding board as well, myself, um, offering guidance to, to um, certain individuals um, that are still growing in their career in my field, um, helping people navigate uh, the corporate world in the marketing and communication sphere. So I said that that's, that's what my, my role has been. And you know, the interesting thing with mentors, um, uh, well, the ones I've met and the ones I've spoken to, they do get inundated quite often by young people who see the end product and feel that they can automatically tap into that success. And that, in actual fact, Haiti, that's not how it works, by association. And I've often heard mentors talk about that frustration. That's the, the one part of the question that I want to you to reflect on for me, Heidi. And then also Hollard itself is actually, I mean, with their recent project, you couldn't drive 10, 12 meters without um, Hollard speaking to small businesses, offering up their space. So mentorship in actual fact does mean different things to different people and organizations, Heidi. Mm. So, so Mzamo's ears are going to be burning because I'm going to mention him again. He came and gave a talk, uh, well, virtually, so he was at his house, but to our marketing team a couple of months ago and mentorship came up um, and he said that in order to, to, to see if there's a match between people that approach him for mentorship and um, himself and so on, he gives them homework and he gives them quite big homework because as you say, people often want to, to, to uh, sort of hitch, a, hitch to the star that, that they've selected. And uh, that's Nzamo's way of, uh, of making sure that that doesn't happen, happen so easily. So, so that's his way. I must be honest, I'm not as inundated by requests, but I think that mentorship for me is, um, there's a, um, a beautiful um, philosophy or approach or a leadership um, approach called Time to Think by Nancy Klein. And in Time to Think, you learn techniques for literally giving yourself and other people time to think. 
And um, not so long ago, I had an approach actually on LinkedIn again. I've become a little bit more active than I used to be um, by a woman in, uh, in marketing who, who sent me a direct message and she said, I feel like a stalker, but I've been following you for a long time and I've got some changes in my, in my environment and I'm stuck and I just need someone to talk to. So, so we, we set up a time for a chat. Um, I didn't know her at all. Um, and someone in my house said to me, what are you going to talk about? You don't know her industry or anything. And I said, uh, what am I going to, I don't know. Actually, I'm just going to give her time to think. And there are techniques to doing it, but really that's all, all we did. We spent an hour and, and um, at the end of it, she said, oh, well, that was so helpful. And so and I didn't really tell her anything. It was just a space for her to amplify her thinking, test her thinking. And often that's really all, all, meant, all is required um, from a mentor is to give a mentee a space and, and time to think and to hear their own thoughts. And, and I really love that because because that's a gift that anybody can bring. Um, regarding the, I mean, we can talk about mentorship for another three hours, but regarding the big ads for small business, actually, it's so lovely that you brought that up in this context. That was a, um, our response to COVID and the challenges that South Africa was having. We were about to do a new business, a new um, a brand campaign. And then we said, how could we do it differently? Because that's what we like to do. And then we said, but what if we gave our, gave our advertising away? How different would that be? And through a process, we selected um, 12 um, small businesses that whose businesses would benefit from um, above-the-line advertising. And we went on a journey with them. Um, and and actually, they were, it, it turned into, it, it is still in, in, in process, underway. It's turned into such a... Um, a reciprocal act of learning and um, a journey of, of uh, um, acknowledgement and appreciation and growth and development for some of those businesses. We've actually given them mentors to help them with some of their, um, one of the business owners, um, I said to him, how, how? He's, he's, he's got more franchises than he used to have. He's got approached by uh, I won't. I won't reveal for for. To, I don't tell you his secrets, but he's been approached by big corporates to do partnerships because they saw him on TV. I said, "How many people are working in your business? Because you're always on social and you're everywhere." He said, "If only they could see my new franchise. These want to come to our head office, and it's my flat in Krugersdorp, and it's just me. And you don't realize how much people." What's it behind people and or not? And how much how much they could benefit from you just paying them some exquisite attention? And yeah, that's what mentoring <laughs> is. Humbling um, lessons. Heidi, 20 seconds. We're wrapping up. We are in a disruptive period at the moment. Any advice from your side that you could share with? I know this is aimed at women, but I'm sure we'll have loads of different age groups and genders listening to this. Just your insights in 20 seconds, what can you do? Um, you can use your voice and you can speak up um, when you see issues regarding inclusion. And if you don't feel confident about your own voice, nudge the person next to you and, and talk to them because there's too many things that are going on that are not being spoken about. Too many times people are being excluded and nobody is raising their voice. So speak up. 
Carol, 20 seconds. My, my thoughts are, I'd like to just say to women, remember your voices matter. Uh, one of the general reports that came out in 2018 from McKinsey spoke about how a man who's 10% prepared will raise his hand and say i'm ready to serve and a woman who's 90 percent uh, prepared will say i'm still waiting for that last 10 percent before i lead so lead now you're ready where you are start with what you have and know that the world needs you the world needs what's in your mind and um, i thank you all for this time tandy 20 seconds I just want to say that this is an opportune time to really get to know yourself a little bit better. So do that and uh, if you can. And if you um, realize and know who you are, your strengths, come together, work with people that you do have access to. And I think we'll be better at the other side of this if we do work together. And thank you for having me on this panel. It's been lovely to learn from all of you. Been a pleasure to listen to you. Kanye, I'm going to give you the final word, but I'm going to give you 23 seconds because I also want to uh, just tell everybody where they can go if they want to find out more about the BASA Award. My final comment is that women must just lean in, be more vocal, and not, not be afraid to shout and, um, and make themselves heard. And then in terms of the awards, uh, the finalists have been announced. Um, they can be... Um, seen at uh, BASA at the website, basa.ca.za. Um, those are the finalists that were announced, I think, last week. So, um, yeah, we've got some exciting projects that have come through last year. And I have to say that I've been an, an awards uh, judge since 2018, and I'm extremely impressed with how organizations have been able to adjust to the current environment and continue to deliver some outstanding projects. So very excited about this year's projects. Ladies, Heidi Bauer from Hollard, Carol Bauer. I don't even, I don't have enough time to wrap up you, Carol. Businesswoman, <laughs> uh, entrepreneur, mentor, um, Kanye Mamba, BASA Awards chairperson, and Tandin Tuli, award-winning jazz artist. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I applaud you for your time and for your insight. And yeah, I mean, if, if we can have Carol as president, Heidi as deputy president, <laughs> Tandy as secretary and Kanye as treasurer, we, I think this country would be on <laughs> I vote for everyone but me. <laughs> thank you so much, Sam. And thank you all ladies. It's been amazing.